0: Welcome listeners to the Lust for Life podcast, where you'll be joining a girl on her journey to discovering the depths of emotional intelligence. This is your host, Tennessee Reed. Welcome back, everyone. I hope you had a great week full of great inspiration and great goal setting because of the new year. Today, we have a really exciting episode. We have a guest here, very inspirational friend of mine. His name is Willie Wolfgram. He is here because he has a very inspirational story, and he's just a straight-out baller of a person. So we are so blessed to have him. He is actually also a podcaster. He is amazing. He does a podcast on resilience and mental health, fitness, entrepreneurship, all of the keys to success. So definitely check out his podcast. It's called Transformed. It's going to be released in the next couple of weeks here. So definitely keep an eye out for that. I'll post it on my social medias when it's coming out, but it's going to be amazing. And I know you guys will not regret listening to it. It will enhance your life so much. So keep an eye out for that. Willie, would you like to say hi to our audience? Yeah.
1: Hi, hi, listeners. I'm Willie Wolfgang.
0: So today we have such a great outline. We like to go off the fly. So what we have to plan for today is he simply is going to share his story and we're going to talk about relationships and the power in relationships and how we can incorporate different skills in creating those relationships to be stronger in our lives and to kind of open our eyes to different perspectives on that. And I really want, I really want Willie to share his story and we really want to Pick that apart and really get into the nitty gritty of it and find different things that we can learn from his story. So Willie, would you mind just starting and sharing your story with us?
1: Specifically relationships like Tennessee was talking about, and hopefully my story can help uh, you listeners, whoever is listening out there. Hopefully you can touch your guys' hearts in some way. Um, the main focus today for me with my story would probably be, again, like I said, relationships and how relationships and reaching out to the people that you love and, and maintaining those relationships is so important in, in the long run. Grew up, just to start off, I grew up in, in Utah County, um, Provo, Orm area, and then moved around a lot, Salt Lake, um, ended up in, in salt lake a bountiful area but anyways just to start off grew up in kind of a rough rough bring up rough life just like everyone else i mean i'm not going to say my life is harder than anyone else's but uh just to share a few things my my mother was most of the time a single mother but we have i have four step dads and one biological dad starting off with my dad leaving when I was two years old, so I didn't get to know him that well. Um, And then just having different stepdads throughout my life. So as you can imagine, there was never a solid other figure in my life where where I could like look up to a man to show me how to be a man or show me how to change a tire or whatever it may be. So my mom, bless her heart, she wasn't the best at choosing men, but... (laughs) um polynesian I'm, I'm polynesian half tongue and half someone in the polynesian culture there is it's very physical um the way they discipline is very physical meaning there's lots of and i'm gonna get pretty pretty deep into my story so hopefully you listeners are uh are listening but polynesians they they get very disciplined they when they discipline they get very physical meaning it's not just a spank or um, a slipper it's really like you get beat pretty, pretty bad when you when you do anything wrong especially the oldest boy which i'm the oldest boy if the younger kid does something bad or um they want something or if the the father is just upset then the oldest boy initially is the one who gets who gets the beating so I had a lot of beatings in my life and that's all i knew was if i get in trouble i'm gonna get beat and I did not know how to cope with that. So the way I coped with it was going to school and taking it out on other, unfortunately taking it out on other classmates um, to get out my anger. So I would go be in a lot of fights in school. I never made it to um, the end of the year lagoon party. So I always wanted to make it, but I always got suspended because I was always fighting. Um, unfortunately that was due to what was going on at home. Um, and, and it was just, it was just really, really hard growing up in that kind of environment. But if you meet other Polynesians, they kind of just like learn how to deal with it, put it on the back of your head and, or back of your mind and just go forward and don't talk about it. Don't tell anyone, don't show any kind of emotion. Don't cry. You just, Deal with it and move forward. For me, I guess for me, I was I was just a little, I feel like I was a little different from most of my culture. Every time I would get beat or hurt or my my father would dis, I always felt the need to like, this is not right. I should I, I should tell someone, I should talk to someone, this is not right. But I, I never did. Um so I would take it out on other people at school. I would fight a lot, and when I would when I would fight and come home, get suspended, I would always be like, hopefully my stepdad is happy because I won this fight, but I actually got beat for fighting, but I thought like, if I lose this fight, then I'm going to get beat even more. So it was, it was very toxic, very toxic growing up. My mom didn't really want to intervene in that because my, my stepdads would always beat my mother. So it's a lot of discipline and a lot of abuse in, in my grow up, which um, is something I'm dealing with now in my life that I'm I'm trying to figure out how to navigate that in my life and how to how to be brave enough to talk with like a therapist and other people through it. So doing stuff like this, talking through it in a podcast, is really something that um, helps me out. But going back to the story, I grew up I was living in Payson, Payson, Utah, or Elkridge, Utah, when going to Payson Middle School. Getting in some trouble my family moved to Orem after a few years and went to a junior high out there got in more fights. my mom actually bless her heart again she she ended up getting arrested for some things and and going to prison for about a year so me and my family, me and my siblings split up so I ended up with a friend uh, that I knew down the street uh, my other siblings there's seven of us. Two of them lived with my grand grandparents. My sister and my other brothers lived with some family out in Salt Lake. So we kind of split up, trying to figure out how to how to navigate our life as twelve year olds, ten year olds, eight year olds. Um, so I was I'm I'm used to being on the run. I wouldn't say I was homeless, but I was living couch to couch. So I felt like I was homeless at 14 years old. Um, ran away when we got well. We got back together. My family, once my mom got out of prison, the family got back together and we, uh, my parents, my, or my mom got, got with a different guy that was not really good to us. So I ended up running away when I was 14 to a friend's house and I didn't end up seeing my family till I was about, I want to say, no, I ran away when I was 12, didn't see my family till I was 15, 14 or 15. Um, I was in Orm going couch to couch, just living on people's couches with my friends and their families and bless their hearts. They, they took me in with love and care. And I would always remember hearing the parents of my friends say, he can't stay with us. We, we need to figure something out. Um, so I'd go to the next friend's house and then I would go to the next friend's house. And so shout out to them for, <laughs> for taking care of me. Um, it wasn't until... One day, my, my uncle, Uncle Lynn, came to me when I was 14 years old and took me down to a restaurant with my sister. And I haven't seen my sister and my uncle and my mom for probably a few years. Um, took me down to a restaurant down in, down in the Riverwoods in Orem, Utah. And long story short, I found out that my mom was, was diagnosed with colon cancer and she had about six months to live. And that shook that shook me. Um, just because at that age, I, I was obsessed with a girl at the time. I, was in, I felt like I was in love with this girl. And I, all my friends were in Orem, and my life was there in Orem with this girl and all my friends. And so when they said, you need to come back and live with your parents, initially, selfishly, I said, no, I'm not doing that. This is my life. But inside, I, I, I was hurting a lot just because my mom's going to pass away in six months, and my mom was my best friend. Like, even though I was probably the worst, like a headache for her, she was she's my best friend. I did everything with her, and growing up, she, my my siblings call me the golden child because she would do anything for me. She was my best friend, and anytime she would get hit or beat by my stepdad, I would intervene and step in so that she wouldn't have to take the beating as long as as long as she didn't have to take it then then I was fine with taking it and I was at a young age when that happened when when I found out my mom passed I obviously ended up moving up to Salt Lake where my my mom and my siblings were living with my uncle Lynn at, the, at the time and I was an angry child at that time it, I didn't want to move I had a girlfriend that I was I felt like I was in love with because, you know, you're in love. You know what love is when you're 14. But um, I was in love with this girl. And I I really loved the friends that I had. And I felt like they were, like, really good for me. But then I felt like it was taken away from me. Because I had to go move to Salt Lake and change my life. Moved up. My mom ended up living for another two years. And throughout those two years, I really I really learned how to... I really learned how to gain relationships with people. I'm used to being the new kid. I was I went to three different high schools, uh two different, two different junior highs and a, a different one diff one middle school and two different elementaries. So I'm all I'm so used to being the new kid. So when I moved up, there wasn't any different. I was just super miserable and sad and angry. I was angry at my my parents. I was angry at my mom when I she had no reason I had no reason to be angry at her I was angry at God just because I knew I'm going to lose my best friend and I also had to move out of this situation that I that I was in love with the day that she passed was I can't say it was a surprise like a quite a, like completely a surprise but it was it was a surprise to me I, I didn't expect it to happen that day um I had this this friend of mine when I moved up. His name's Tyler Hall. And his family really befriended me and took me in when I moved up to Salt Lake. My Tyler was probably the best thing that happened to me, even though when, when he tried to reach out to me, I was very like, get away from me. I don't want to talk to you. I have friends down in Orem. I don't need other friends. I don't need other relationships. But the the biggest... The most important thing about this story will be, I would say, was, was the relationship that Tyler and I had, because if he didn't befriend me, my life would be a different story and I'd be in a different place right now. He just was super consistent and super persistent in befriending me and just making sure that I was okay. Tyler Tyler and I be, became really, really good friends, really close, almost inseparable, Throughout the years that my mom was slowly, slowly dying, and to a point to where his family was like, "Let's just move you into our house." It wasn't easy for for my mom to see that because I had siblings at home that were hurting, that had no place to go, and I was over here living with this family when I should be here with my with my mom and taking care of her. It wasn't easy for them to see that, so it's something I. I don't want to say I regret, but I wish that I would have been there for my siblings and my brothers at the time. But the best thing for me at that time was to was to live with the Hall family, with Tyler and his family, because if I didn't, I would end up I'd end up probably dead because I tried to take my life because I was in a very bad place mentally. Um, I was depressed and I felt like I was alone. I felt like no one was there for me, and I felt like, "Well, I'm losing my best friend. Why would I want to be here on this earth?" Um, but it was the people in my life that that didn't give up on me, like Tyler Nischny and, and other friends out in, in Bountiful, Utah, that never gave up on me. That really changed my life. Those relationships there is something that I still hold, still hold dearly. Um, going back to story. My- the day my mom passed was probably one of the hardest, hardest moments, hardest days of my life because I was in school, in high school. And and I got a call down to the office that, hey, um, somebody, you're, the principal needs to meet you in the office. I went down the office to figure out that my mom passed away. And when I asked the principal, are, are you sure? that I asked her, are you sure? Because I wanted to make sure. I that she was right. As soon as she told me, yes, she, she passed away this morning. Then I started, I just started breaking down and I wanted to break down and cry there because I didn't want anyone else to see me um, crying. And I didn't want anyone else to to see my hurt because I didn't want to have attention towards me. And everyone knew my mom was sick, but I didn't want anyone to know that she passed away because my mom always taught me, like, be strong and, and don't show people your weakness. Like, other people have it harder than you do. And so that was going through my head with that, hey, like, just get through this. Other people have it harder than you do. Um, When I saw her, I walked into the room, and I, and my, my siblings were all there. I was the last one there. And I see my 10-year-old brother, and he was... He was kind of confused and my other brother who was just a couple years older than him was holding his her hand and all my siblings were around her bed when i walked up to her she had a smile on her face and a tear in her eye so i knew right then she was she was free from her pain and uh i was i was sad but i was so relieved that i knew like she's she's free from her pain she's not hurting anymore. Um, I was probably like I said it was probably the hardest moment of my life to see my mom pass away because that's someone that you look up to and at that time I was my only parent didn't have a father figure so she was someone who I always went to and someone that I helped help dearly because she's my mom you know and I'm a mama's boy but after that I ended up getting into a lot of I started making bad decisions because I was super depressed and didn't know how to navigate and deal with losing a parent, and all my siblings and I just split up, and I never got to see him. Like I said, I shouldn't say never, but I didn't get to see him for a few years. It was, it was Tyler and and my friends up there that really that really helped me get through, get through my high school, my senior year. I wouldn't have graduated, I wouldn't have made it through, BF without the people in my life. They really pushed me to graduate. They really pushed me to um, get through life. And the fact that now that I look back, looking at the support that I had at the time, I thought I was alone. But now that I look back, I had so many people on my side and so many people behind me that were there to help me out. Um, Even though it was hard and I was making bad decisions, people never gave up on me. And I am so till this day, I'm so grateful for the people, the relationships that I had that were built throughout the years and um, they're still still being built. It's really changed my life.
0: That is tough. That is tough. And I remember seeing one of your Instagram reels where you had described your life as a roller coaster. And that's like a roller coaster that last, like you go on a million turns and it feels like it never ends, like it's over and over. And that is, that's tough. And I can't help think like maybe the reason you were so against Tyler's help was because you were so scared of what was going to happen with that relationship because you'd seen so many people walk in and then walk out of your life or come in and come out like your mom, like that, that must've hurt. Like I, I can't even imagine the pain that you went through and the pain that you still go through. I feel like a lot of us think about our parents dying and it's like, like you have like a heavy weight on your chest. It's a hard thought. So to have to go through all that is such a young, crucial age where it's such a, that's such a transformative age to have to go through that. that, That's tough. Like, I don't even know how to describe that. And I, I'm just curious how, what was the transition for you? Was it Tyler that showed you that people can stay in your life? Cause you are married. You do have kids. That, that was probably a hard commitment to make knowing the history of people coming in and going out of your life. What was the process of kind of going through that emotionally and making that commitment to be married and have children because that was such a big part of your past? What 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 was the thought process and the emotional process like for you for that?
1: In my life or me losing a lot of people. After, after that, through my college days and all that, I, I had a lot of commitment issues with committing to girls, committing to jobs, committing to people. Um, it was really hard for me to get super super close because to me I thought, well, they're just gonna leave or I'm gonna lose them. Like, and I would tell girls that I dated throughout college like, you don't want to date me something bad's gonna happen to you or I'm probably gonna I'm probably gonna leave. I always had cold feet with people, but yes, Tennessee, what you said? Tyler and his family, um, the Hall family. When I when I moved into their home, they showed me what it was like to have a stable family. The parents there, Jill and Wayne, who I call my parents now, who've um, since taken me in still the the principles they had in their in their home. And the fact that I saw, hey, look, a husband and wife actually love each other, and they don't fight, like like physically they don't fight, and this this husband really loves her, and he treats her so good, and he cooks for her, he does everything for her it was so new to me, but it was something that I sought after for my whole life. So seeing that, and then seeing what it was to have a great relationship and how to How to treat kids and love them. Like they would, we would be at dinners and they would pray for me all the time. And it was, it was huge to me because I was like, no one ever prayed and was thankful that, hey, thankful that Willie's here and that he's okay and grateful that he's a part of our family. That was so new to me and it was so foreign to me. And I started getting used to where I was like, wow, this is what it's like to have a family, a stable family. Um, On the back of my head, I felt really guilty in that way because I had my siblings there that were struggling as well and going through their own struggles and nav- navigating their own their own struggles with losing a mother and I wasn't there for them and I resented myself like I'm sure they resented it and I re- regretted not being there for them more but I knew that what I was doing was probably the best place I could be and they would remind me all the time and Tyler was like so solid like a solid friend and brother to me that I think like you said, like emotionally, I was able to like see that and be like, that's what a father figure is like, when people ask me, like someone asked me the other day when I was in Emma and Grant's house, um, they're like, Hey, like you have a family. That's awesome. Like you we went through a lot of stuff. Well, same question you asked me. How did, how did you become such a great father? And I was like, well, I had a really good dad. His name's Wayne, who Wayne Hall, who uh, who showed me what it's like to be a great father, and a and a present father, um, and a loving father. And so I I took that in and I just ran with it. Like this is what I this is who I want to be. I know what it's like to be a be a really careful father. I've seen fathers leave and and fight and uh, be abusive, but I also have seen this father who's is loving and i w- i would rather be this one than this one um, i'd rather be Wayne than the one that I grew up with so yeah just to answer your question it was tyler and the whole family that and those relationships that i had with them that, that helped me get through those emotional and navigate how to be a good father now
0: i can tell just by you like speaking you know through the microphone how much you love them and like appreciate all that they did for you like They would just be so proud of you to hear you say that. And I'm sure that I know that they love you just by the way you described that. And I hope that one day I can transform someone's life in the same way that they did for you. That's so inspirational and so rewarding for them. Like I can imagine how proud they are of you. And that is probably the best feeling ever as a parent to see that. Oh, that's what's life. That is what life is all about is seeing that transform and seeing you be the father to your children the way you are. And I've seen it on Instagram. I've seen the love. I can feel the love through Instagram, how you and Anna raise your kids and have so much love for them. I do have a question that I have struggled with myself is I have these, you know, Neurological pathways in my brain of my foundation. So the way my thought processes worked when I was in my crucial years, you know, eight to 18, eight to 20, that's what we, that's when we interpret the world. And that's when we make that foundation. And most people stay with that same mindset for the rest of their life. And it's hard to change mindsets so with that being said how did you like was it easy for you to reset your perspective on how a family should look because for me it would be hard for me to see one family dynamic and see another and kind of be able to differentiate the two try to figure out what's good and what and what's not good because my brain automatically defaults to that foundation and you have to be conscious of that and make conscious decisions to overpower those neurological pathways. So was that ever a problem for you to like, did you ever revert back to your old thoughts or your old like deprivating thoughts? You spoke of suicide and taking your own life. Did you ever have to clear that pathway out? Was Like, was it easy for you to revert back to the depression, back to the anxiety or was it pretty simple seeing that family dynamic as an example?
1: It was uncomfortable. It was super uncomfortable for me to see a family like that and be in the family like this. That it, it didn't happen overnight. I still was making. I still be like, am I really a part of this life? Like, is this really a, a good family that I'm a part of? And I and I started when I felt like. And this happens to a lot of people, and I felt like it was like I had a good life. I'm like, oh wait, this shouldn't be. This shouldn't be what it's like. I need to go back to what my life is used to be, like what it what what it's used to be. So I go make a bad decision, or I go hang out with the wrong crowd, and just make stupid decisions, and then come back and be like, wait, wait, I don't, I not I don't like that. What am I doing? So yes, it was really, really hard and really, really uncomfortable for me. Um, but people, the people who just kept loving me. Tyler, the halls, people around me, that even though they knew I was making a bad decisions, they just loved me. I was like, oh, you're not gonna leave me? Like you're not gonna like beat me. You're just gonna be like, hey, I I love you. I know you went through a hard time. And depression, I never if you ask my wife right now, she she used to, I mean, till this, till like just recently, she would always ask me, like, have you ever been depressed? And like, no, I've never been depressed. I don't even know what depression is. So when I tried to commit suicide, to me, I was like, I wasn't—that was depression. Like I didn't know what depression was. Um, it wasn't until I was in a podcast with my brother Tyler when he brought that up, and I hadn't think—I hadn't thought about that night that I tried to take my life for since the day it happened. That was depression, and I was like, oh, I had been depressed before. That's what it was like. So, so yeah, I. It was really, really hard for me to to be in a family dynamic like that, but super grateful that people were just on top of on top of it and solid and in loving me. So,
0: I want to pick their brains and see, like, what did they do exactly intentionally with you, Willie? That they they knew that they were doing, even though it was probably hard for them to see you make those bad decisions that you talked about, hang out with the wrong people. What in your mind did they do specifically to make you feel loved and make you change that neurological pathway and that foundation? What allowed you to make that mindset change? Like, give me examples if you have any.
1: They would know about it. Um, Jill and Wayne are the parents of the Hall family. I always knew Wayne, to- he would come up to me. He would, he would hug me and he'd be like, he'd look me straight in the eyes and hold my he holds my shoulders and goes, I love you. I hope you know that. And I was like, Who's what who is this guy telling me he loves me? Um, but he would do stuff like that, like, I love you, or or he would talk to me and listen to me. And he wouldn't, he wouldn't just judge me, he wouldn't beat me, he wouldn't yell at me, he would just softly just let me sit in his office and just talk and just be like, tell me how you're feeling and just listen. And I had a lot of feelings back then and he, he never judged me. All he would say would be, really, I love you. I know you're going through all this stuff, but I want you to know that I love you. And he still does it to this day. Every time I see him, he, he gives me the biggest hug and he goes, I'm really proud of you and I love you. And then Jill She would she's the more feisty one, and I love her. Like my mom, she's just like, You're an idiot, but I love you so much. Don't don't do that. This is what's gonna happen when you do it. But no matter what, you're always a part of this family, and we love you. So it was more just the love that they showed than like a specific thing. They would just be like, Hey, I'm not gonna judge you. We still love you. We're we're there's times where they were super disappointed, um, or they would cry if I made a bad decision but at the end of the day they still would love me and and show that so
0: I could like seriously feel again the love that they gave you through the microphone it couldn't I couldn't help but remember this scenario it was actually when I was reading Harry Potter the books Harry Potter and I can't remember which book it was but I remember Harry saying oh I do remember now it was when he didn't get the Felix Felicis, um, the solution that could bring them extra luck. He was supposed to get it from Slughorn for all those uh, Potterheads out there. He didn't get it, and Dumbledore really needed him to get it. And I remember Harry Potter reporting back to Dumbledore saying, hey, I wasn't able to get it. And Harry stated in that moment, I would have rather had him yell at me than the disappointment that he gave me because disappointment like hurt me that much more knowing what I should have done. And that's always resonated with me is when you are young and you're that age, and to this day, I never want to disappoint anybody, especially myself. So when I feel like when you're that crucial age of, you know, eight to 20, eight to 25, you're figuring out who you are. You look to those figures. You're parent figures, your siblings. All you want to do is make them proud. You want to make them so proud and then once you kind of figure out your footing, you figure out who you are, you learn you want to make yourself proud. You want to you never want to let yourself down because that that hurts. And I have let myself down and I'm sure you've felt this. I'm sure our listeners have felt this. That stings and it's so hard to take that step forward. It's so hard to get yourself back up, try again, because unfortunately we're all human. We all make mistakes. And what I love about what you said about um, your parents was that they never judged you. They only loved you. And I feel like that's the same with us. Yeah, we make mistakes, but we should never be so harsh on ourselves that we're never that we're not willing to get back up again. We we need to be a one man band. We need to encourage ourselves. We need to discipline ourselves and make goals and be happy, but also feel our feelings. And there's all these emotions. And I just am curious, like you seem so strong willed with your emotions. Do you have to work every day? to continue to keep yourself strong and resilient and motivated and, you know, entrepreneurial, like, just like you're going to discuss in your transformative podcast, is it active, conscious, active choices every single day? Because for me, I feel like as soon as I stop improving, I'm going backwards. As soon as I stop walking on that beach, I'm sinking in the sand and I can't be the only one. So do you feel like this ever?
1: disappointing myself but again something that i learned from my biological mom was to just keep going no matter what you're going through um just remember people have it harder and if you just keep going and keep walking forward then something's going to happen so anytime anything hard has happened and and my emotion like obviously i told you like i don't we didn't grow up in being super emotional with each other um But just being able to be, to show up and be disciplined, whether it be in life, whether it be in the gym, whether it be in business, whatever it may be, as long as I just show up, even if life is hard, I know that I at least showed up and I just, I'm going to give it my all. Whether I fail or not, I I don't know what's going to happen, but but I'm going to show up and be 100% me. And I know if I do that, then I'm going to be proud of myself. And that was really hard for me because I'm not a vulnerable, emotional person and has only my wife has only seen me cry like twice in, in our marriage. We've been married for six years. And it wasn't until this year, um, when I started talking podcasts and sharing my story that she's like, you actually are a cry baby. And I'm like, yeah, I have a lot of emotions that I just haven't I haven't let out. And it's probably years of just like keeping it in. Um, but it takes me a lot to be super vulnerable. Um, but I just show up I'm just, I, I want, I want people to know you can be yourself. You can love yourself and be proud. Like, I love what you said, be proud of yourself first. Cause I think we're, we're so focused on making other, like other people proud. We're so worried about what other people think about us and, um, not disappointing others. But when we, do, when we disappoint ourselves or when, when we are not happy within ourselves, then that's way worse than trying to please someone else.
0: I can't help think about the importance of processing your emotions, because when you were speaking about the journey of you processing emotions, I was like, wait, that was me. Like I did the same thing. I did not cry. I mean, I did cause I'm a woman and we just have hormones, but I really tried hard not to cry, you know, in my younger years and I was very stoic Um But as soon as I started processing my emotions, the water works, you guys. It was, like, absurd. I remember, like, the day my life changed, the day I was, like, I've had it, I'm changing my life. I cried for, like, 18 hours straight. Like, I do not know how much, like, tears I could actually come out of my eyeballs, they like were flowing. And I was like, what is happening? And like, I'll catch myself every once in a while, feeling my feels. Like my husband always calls, calls me like, or and says, are you feeling your feels? I'm like, oh yeah, just give me like a few hours. I'm just, I'll be back in a little bit. Like, I'm just feeling really emotional. But like, that's my, like, that's life. Like, that's when I feel most alive is when I'm processing my emotions and I'm letting it out. And I remember literally last week, I've always struggled with my testimony of like Jesus Christ. And I'm always like, I just don't feel like a connection there. And I saw an Instagram post about how like undeniable truth that, you know, Jesus Christ is real. I lost it. Like for like two hours, I was just bawling. And while I'm bawling, I'm like, I have to journal all of this because this is is gold. Like I cannot forget this. And I, but like I felt so alive, and I felt like this sounds crazy, but when I get emotion emotional like that, and I get vulnerable, I feel like close to heaven. Like I'm like, I feel so elated. I feel so powerful and empowered. And I'm like, as much as an exhausting as it is to feel your feels, you guys, it's like empowering. Like it's good. And people who think that crying is a sign of weakness has a lot of weaknesses themselves. Even though some people really just don't genuinely cry. It's not how they show emotion. But, like, for me, who is meant to show emotion through tears, like, I I feel like it's a sign of, you know, bravery and processing those emotions. And it seriously is exhausting, but it's the best feeling ever. I feel so powerful and that I can do anything in the whole world when I process my emotions.
1: This past few months. Um it was only good for me, but I I always thought like, well, people are gonna think of me as weak, especially in the Polynesian culture. Like I said, you don't show emotion. But the amount of people who have reached out to me and have and the amount of relationships I've been able to build. And that's, like, what's obviously what we're talking about. What's most important to me is, like, I've been able to, like, create these, like, emotion. I mean, sorry, these relationships with different people that I never thought i would build with. And and people reach out to me saying, like, love your story. That's awesome. Would love to connect. Love your story. That's awesome. Love to connect. I, with you as well. Like, you, you heard my story, and we were able to connect. And I just use it now as, like, wow, it feels good to be able to not only let my emotion out, but it's, it's helping other people. And I'm able to build different relationships with people because this life is, I mean, it's a hard world, but when we build really good relationships with really good people that are solid and we, and we go through this life together, I feel like it's a lot easier.
0: (laughs) Absolutely. And while you were saying that it kind of triggered a memory or a thought of mine and I also had very similar experiences. Once I started sharing my emotions on like my Instagram, on podcasts, I've had like so many people tell me I needed to hear this. Like, thank you so much. I've connected with the most amazing people. I've had the most amazing life experiences. So when you like live your very best life, meaning you're living the very best version of yourself, you're serving others you, if you put good content out and you are, I truly do this podcast because I want to help others because I was so, I was in such a dark place before I started this podcast. And before I decided no more, am I going to live my life like this? I have seen already in just a few months, the lives I've touched through me joining my journey, helping others through theirs. So it's all about relationships. Like Willie said, it's, It's, this life is not meant to be lived alone. And it was not designed that way for a reason. People need human connection and people need that emotional connection. We speak so many different languages. We speak emotional languages. We speak verbal. We speak body language. And we connect on such different dimensions. And truly this, no matter what you say, if you say you're an introvert, I don't believe you. Everybody needs human connection in some way or form. And I'm going back to um, Tyler's family, the Hall family. It sounds like they were very open with their emotions. And they, they kind of welcomed that for you. They kind of showed you what that can do for you. And that's kind of what I saw. And I, I really want that for my family, too. So when you're speaking about this Hall family, first of all, A, I want to meet them. They're amazing. B, I want my family to be like that. Like, and I want every interaction I have with people to be like that. I can be a lot for people. And if I'm not for everybody, and I know that. But if you're going to have a conversation with me, it's going to be a real conversation. We're going to have a real deep conversation. And It's going to be meaningful and I've connected with people so deeply like I'll seriously talk to people for five minutes and I'm like trying to convince them to start this business that they've been trying to start for like the last five years and I'm like you don't understand like this will provide so many opportunities for you I just that emotional connection is just so much deeper than that small talk it's like humans need that connection so I'm so happy that the Hall family was able to show you that and bring that to you. Do you feel like that was kind of an open gate for you there? Is, am I misinterpreting this?
1: An Open gate for me, um, just having, like, like I keep saying that the halls, having them in my life is, was the most crucial part of my life at the most crucial time. Um at that age, I could have taken different paths. And the way I was going was not a good one. So have I think they were put in my life for a reason. Um, I know that sounds cliche, but they were put in my life for a reason. And being able to see that, I've been able to like I've, I've been able to apply those principles I learned with Paul's into my own family's lives. Now I'm like, every time I see my kids, I'm like, I love you so much. And I hug them and all that, and I not once do I ever think about hey, I'm, I'm going to treat them the way I was treated. <laughs> I would never want them to feel the way I that I felt. And so it's been my mission goal to break generational cycles and just treat my family way better than I was treated because they deserve it. And like you said, everyone, go back to like you said something that I really loved. Everyone has a story to share. Like your story as well, Tennessee. Like everyone has something to share. So us, us being able to connect or other people being able to connect with each other and share that story. We need that human connection so that we can we can figure out how to navigate to this life and how to love each other and serve each other instead of trying to hurt each other or hate each other. It's way more it's easier to love someone than hate someone. So
0: So I have a question for you, Willie. If you were yeah. to leave one final thought with our audience here, what would it be about your story and relationships that could be advice? What what would you like to leave with our audience here tonight?
1: Reach out to your people. Um, you never know what they're going through. There's people that may seem happy that are struggling. There's people that are struggling that need you. There's people that need to hear and know that they're not alone and that they're loved. So I like to do a thing every day. I text three people and I let them know that I'm so grateful for them. And it could be people that I haven't talked to in years. Some some people have been since like high school. I'll reach out to them on Instagram, Facebook, through a text message. And I'll just let them know, hey, it's been a long time. I was thinking about you. And I remember when you did this for me. And I want you to know that I'm grateful for you, but I also want you to know that I'm here for you if you need anything. I know it's been a long time, but I want you to know that what you did for me here. And it takes, I, I really like to think about like this person and what they've done for me. And, I, and a, specific, a specific way they've blessed my life. And I like to tell them and let them know, thank you so much. And people need to hear that. I get text messages back all the time or messages saying, I really needed that. I'm going to... XYZ. I'm going through a divorce. I'm going through a breakup. I'm going through losing my job. I'm going through whatever it may be. And like I really needed to hear that because I feel super alone. And it that's something that I needed and that I was able to have in the halls. Is that people just showed up for me and let them let me know that they love me. So my message would be relationships, build them, gain them. Um, you never know what people are going through. And and to the people who need it just know that you're not alone. And there's people that really love you and that you are enough and that you are amazing just the way you are. So
0: I could like slam on my table right now. Cause I'm like, I love that, but none of the listeners want to hear that through my microphone. That is so cool. Like I will seriously start implementing that every day. And I think that should be the challenge of this week. I think that's Amazing. I would love it if people texted me, and people do, how much they love me. And that one little text, you have no idea how far that could go. And I'm sure it has gone so far with you doing that. So that will be our challenge for this week, everybody. Maybe not start with three. Let's start small. Let's text one person every day different and say how much we love them, appreciate them. And I really liked how you said something that you're grateful about them, that they've done to you or you experienced around them or the energy you felt around them. So make it even more impactful and say why you love them. So one person every day. And to be honest, I'm going to do this probably the rest of my life. That is so cool. I'm so, that is so cool. I'm so glad you brought that up. Willie, thank you so much for being on our show tonight. You are an outstanding person. And I want you to know that I'm proud of you and I love you and I know you're gonna do amazing things you already have. I'm so excited to see your journey. Everybody don't forget, his podcast will be dropping in two, two-ish weeks. It's called Transformed. It's about resilience, mental health, fitness, entrepreneurship, all the tips of success and mental health all mixed in because you can't have a successful business without a successful mental health. Hope you all enjoyed this week's episode, and we'll see you next week.